A thick fog and a cold rain roll through the city of West Bay, Washington, late on a November evening. A small corner store is nearly empty, with a Latinx person standing behind the counter in a uniform, while a customer in a red hoodie scans the shelves of chips and junk food. The bell rings as another customer enters. A bald man, apparently in his early 40s, with a hooked nose and a leather jacket. He enters confidently, looking around before dropping a burlap sack on the counter. Fill it, he growls out, placing his hand on a lump in his jacket, indicating the presence of a weapon. He hears a snarl directly behind him as the other customer speaks. You might not want to do that here. The bald man chuckles. Watch who you're talking to, flea bag. He chides the werewolf before turning, drawing his gun, and firing off a shot in one fluid motion. <laughs> the wolf goes down in a heap before the bald man turns to look at the cashier. Sorry, kid, you've seen too much, are the last words that Junie Rivera hears, and as another gunshot rings out, <laughs> we go to our opening credits. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, everyone in between or irrespective of that binary, pull up a chair and put down your chips. It's time for a tabletop roulette. Urban Shadows, an urban fantasy powered by the apocalypse game of supernatural drama and political intrigue set in a modern-day city. Hi, I'm Landon, and my pronouns are he, him. Today, I'll be playing Roman Claude Kingston, The Tainted. You might also recognize my voice from my own Urban Shadows podcast, Shadows of St. Fleur, which can be found on Twitter at St. Fleur Pod. You can also find me on Twitter at OccasionalGM. Hi. My name is Zeke. I use he-him pronouns, and I will be playing Tuesday the Spectre. You can find me on Twitter at HaydenEzekielVA. Hi, my name is Mike. My pronouns are they-them, and I'll be playing Morgan Keyes, the Hunter. Hi, my name is Ashley. My pronouns are she-her, and I'll be playing Joey Klum, the Oracle. Find me on Twitter at Anxious underscore Robots. Hi, I'm Matthew James Marquez. My pronouns are he-him-his... I am playing Santiago Alcantara, the Vamp Playbook. You can find me on Twitter at MarquezTheGM. I am also a game master and player on Tabletop Potluck, another actual play podcast. And you can find us at Tabletop Potluck on all social media. Our game proper begins at the Wishing Hour. Zeke, would you like to tell us what Tuesday looks like? Yeah, of course. So, um, Tuesday, 
looks like he's kind of on the shorter side, uh, on the chubbier side. Uh, he is, uh, he's white, uh, ginger, so kind of scraggy, um, orange hair, freckles all over his face, green eyes. And I imagine that he's bussing tables right now, or on his break or something. As he is bussing his tables, he sees a familiar face sitting a couple of tables down. And again, I will ask you for another physical description. Did you have in mind what Adrian looks like? He's probably pretty tall. I didn't I didn't really come up with one, but I can come up with him. He's probably uh, taller, probably around six foot-ish. Kind of like tan skin, dark brown hair, brown eyes. Kind of more stocky, stockily built. And maybe just some scruff of some patchy facial hair on his face. How does Tuesday react when Adrian and you make eye contact? Oh, God. Um, I think I just kind of... I just kind of look up as I'm kind of putting, like, putting the last of my plates uh, into, like, my bin, I guess, that I'm taking back to the kitchen to be washed. Uh, I just kind of look up. And is he just, like, is he just, like, sitting down just now? He, like, he's already seated. He's got a glass in front of him with, like, generic brand soda because we don't have the rights to say Pepsi in it, but he doesn't have, like, any food or anything in front of him. All right. Uh, I think I would kind of just kind of settle uh, the bin, like, kind of on my hip, and I just kind of leisurely approach him, and I just kind of like, so, come here often? <laughs> and I just kind of chuckle and just kind of sit, uh, just kind of lean, lean um, on the, like, I'm assuming it's like a booth seat across from him, not sitting down because I have work to do, but just kind of seeing what he wants. So are Tuesday and Adrian, are they on again or off again right now? Um, I'd say, I'd say off again, uh, but they're, but they still, I know like Tuesday at least is still like friendly and, and like flirty towards him because we, he knows that they'll eventually be on again. Adrian kind of looks Tuesday up and down a little bit as he leans forward on the table and says, Well, normally I'd say something clever here about needing a snack or something like that, but, well, I... It's a little more serious than that. How much longer you got left on your shift? Uh, I kind of check my watch. Eh, maybe about... Ten minutes or so is... Why? Is that, What's wrong? Is everything all right? Mm, I don't think so. Yeah, so Tuesday, just kind of seeing that this is like a genuinely... Like he's being like serious, serious is just kind of... Like kind of flips off the like the playful flirty and he just kind of... Let me put these dishes away and I'll see if I can get off my shift a little early. And he's gonna... Go and see if he can. Um, either that or like, you know, you know what? He's just going to like de-manifest once he puts the dishes back so that he just goes invisible. Um, and he's going to uh, manifest again near Adrian after he does that and just kind of tap him on the shoulder and like, let's get this whispers. Let's get out of here. He stands up from his chair and just 
like starts to walk out of the restaurant, he turns and like looks over his shoulder at the drink that he only half drank and just kind of shrugs as the two of you go out. Where are you going? That's a good question. I'm not sure. I think maybe uh, I I would assume like I would probably want to get away from here because I am leaving my shift early, which I think I have a tendency to do. I don't know, somewhere kind of further away where we can just kind of sit and talk in private. As the two of you settle in to talk, Adrian looks over at you and just says, Gage is missing, and I've got a bad feeling about it. Uh, Gage, can I put a face to that name real quick? You can. I should have pulled up what factions are what people. I believe that wolves are knights. Yeah, I think that's correct. Okay, go ahead and roll that with night for me. All right. Okay, uh, that is a four. That's a good start. On a miss, you don't know them or you owe them. The MC will tell you which. So uh, first off, go ahead and mark that faction because that is how you level up in this system. I think you owe them. I think if All this right. is okay with you... I think at one point Gage had, uh, like, when you and Adrian were going through one of your spats, I think Gage pulled some strings and talked to Adrian and got the two of you back together. You know that he is one of the, like, older members of Adrian's pack. He's not the, like, leader, but he's one of Mm -hmm. the, like, second-in-commands. All right. Um, so then, oh, I, how, how long has he been gone for? He went out last night and, oh, it's not like him to not show up. I tried calling him and no answer. You heard about that shooting down at the corner store and, well, I'm assuming you did. I heard about it and, well, the damn cops aren't letting anybody in. I figured maybe if they... Can't see anybody. Right. Can't stop it. Okay. I see where this is going. Well, I mean, I can certainly check the place out. Um, anything I need to know going in? I, I heard, I heard a few things just from eavesdropping while during work. But you probably know more than I do. Then. All right. Uh. So I guess. Well, then I. Uh, then I guess I better scope the place out then, don't you think? I'd really appreciate it. I don't know if it's anything to do with Gage or what, but... No, I, I understand that you're nervous about it. If it, makes, if it makes you feel better, I can definitely check it out for you, Adrian. Uh, and I guess with that, I'm gonna just kind of say... I, I don't know, if he, if he does he want to come with me, or am I going there alone, or... Are you asking him that? Um, do you want to come stake it out with me, or do you? does this more of a solo operation, do you think? I mean, they already won't let me in, so probably better if you go on your own unless you don't feel comfortable with that. Uh, I, I, think I, I think I got it handled. Uh, and I'll be back with news, all right? Uh, and I guess with that... Um, He's just going to de-manifest right there, and he's going to head to this corner store. As Adrian says, I hate when you do that. 
I want to cut over to another character. I think I want to find out what's up with Joey. Joey, would you like to tell us what does your uh, shop look like? Uh, she doesn't really have a shop so much as a really big picnic blanket in the Bunny Bazaar or a corner booth in the Witching Hour Diner. All right. Where would she be at on this random Wednesday afternoon? Uh, if it's afternoon, she's probably still in the Bunny Bazaar. Okay. Like, what's your normal setup like? Like, do you stay inside of the tent? Are you on the outside? Uh, what's your day like? Oh, she doesn't have a tent that requires money. <laughs> okay, well, you're blanket. Yeah, I think there's like a big-ass tree she likes to hang out by that can kind of mark her spot, and most people respect that. And she just has like what was clearly at some point some very old person's um, picnic blanket that she has now made into her spot to chill out. Uh, she basically has a handwritten sign that says fortunes for money or trade. (laughs) And I think she's just chilling on the blanket, either reading a book or actually doing someone's fortune. As you are sitting and reading, you hear somebody clear their throat. And assuming you look up, there is somebody standing there, a female presenting person. She has, uh, dyed purple hair. In, like, a very short haircut. She's wearing, like, a tank top and shorts, which is pretty rare for, like, the middle of November. Because, I mean, it's very cold outside. Or at least pretty cold outside. Uh, She does not seem to be cold, though, as she looks down at you and asks, uh, how much for a fortune? Um... Either something you want to trade and I approve of, or starts at 18 bucks. Yeah, I think I can spare the money. I'm, uh, want to find out what's going on. Well, I can help find out what's going on. Take a seat. And she pats the blanket. Do you, like, other than yourself, do you have any kind of, like, tools or anything you use on the blanket, or is it just Joey? Um, I think Joey has her silver coffee cup with blue stones on it, but it's not always her go-to for fortune telling. That's kind of her, I need to concentrate my abilities more item. So it's really just kind of Joey, her backpack, random stuff people have given her earlier that day, random bunny statues she's found and kept. So I think this purple-haired girl sits down. She looks to be in like her low to mid-20s. Uh, she sits down, crisscross applesauce about a foot away from you and says, So, how does this work? I've never really had my fortune told before. Well, I'm very good at either working with an object you give me, or reading you from touching you, or if you really want, I can use my cup, which I read in the reflection. So, depends on how you're most comfortable approaching this. I know a lot of people don't quite like being touched or always bring an object, so comfort levels. I work with you. I think she just kind of, not really smirk, but that like half smile of somebody that's clearly not sure what's going on and mildly uncomfortable, but like trying to project a smile. <laughs> that's most people beating Joey. And she like, holds out her hands, uh, palms down. 
Okay, hand time. Do I have to... So I do have... I also have a start of session move that we kind of skipped if we should do that. Oh, uh, you're right. Let's go ahead and uh, do that. What is your start of session move? At the beginning of the session, roll with spirit. On a 10 plus, hold two. On a 7, 9, hold one. During the session, you can spend your hold to declare that something terrible is about to happen. And me and my allies take plus one ongoing to avoid it. On a miss, you foresee the death of someone important and take negative one in all rolls to prevent it. Okay. I rolled an 11, so I get two holes. And then at any point during the session, you can activate your anxiety (laughs) to gain a plus one ongoing to avoiding the impending disaster. I can finally weaponize my anxiety. Okay, um, so for telling her fortune, I either have skimmed the surface, or is there like a role you want to do for just general Joey's t- doing Oracle stuff for people for money? Uh, hmm, just a second. I'm reading through your uh, things here. Yeah, I find I it- think, I think I'm going to have you just do a general let it out role. Okay. Actually, I'll ask you, are you doing this as legitimate? oracle or are you like just trying to bullshit uh she does legitimate more often than not so she's gonna more legitimate okay in that case roll to let it out for me please shoot i missed uh no using my i would have to use both my holds for that okay i rolled a five so she's probably gonna bullshit it (laughs) unless it's known that doesn't work Okay, what does it look like as Joey tries to predict the future? I think she kind of just looks like she's a little zoned out. Like, her eyes don't exactly glaze over, but it's kind of that look of, like, someone's just staring at a point in the distance, and then they kind of just stop paying attention. Glazed over look. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I gotcha. I was just trying to think of how I want to phrase what you see. So I think you see, like, you're seeing through somebody's eyes. Mm -hmm. And they walk up to a door that you recognize. They go through the door and laying on the floor in front of whoever this person is, is Miss Margaret with a blank look in her eyes and seemingly dead. You snap back to your normal time and place and are looking into the not blank eyes, but the very like neutral eyes of this person that has asked you to tell their future. Can, before Julie bullshits, because I think she recognized that this was probably not this person's particular future, because she knows Miss Margaret. Can I roll to skim the surface on this person real quick? Sure, go for it. Hope that works a little better. Oh, that's a nine. Okay. So on the 79, I can ask one. So I'm going to ask, what is this character thinking about right now? Okay, so this character is thinking, like you get a feeling of foreboding. Mm-hmm. She has major anxiety about something. I don't think you get exactly what. But you get the feeling that they, like, something is going wrong. And they, like, it's not that you don't know what, it's that they don't know what. 
Like, she is very freaked out, and she was hoping that you would be able to tell her what she needs to do to fix her problems. Is that enough, or do you want more? Uh, I think that's enough that this character is kind of focused on a general anxiety without really being well put a pin in what her anxiety is about, just that something bad is coming. Yeah. I don't want to give her a false prophecy, so I think... Joey's going to go more with, your mind is very muddled by fears of what can go bad, but the path forward is not quite clear. Your decisions or your life can go in many different directions. I'm sorry I can't give you something more clear, but I might have a protective charm for you to help ease your anxieties and maybe protect you from what you are fearing right now. I think Joey's going to like reach into her backpack and pick out like, a random hamsa she carries on her and it's like, here. Now, I have to ask, is this like a legitimate protective charm or? Oh, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, she takes it and like, you can tell by the look on her face that she's not entirely convinced. Mm-hmm. But she does that forced smile again and says, yeah, thanks. I uh, appreciate it. I will ask, do you think that that qualifies as a mislead distractor trick? I mean, I think she's trying to distract from this person's anxieties and the fact that Joey didn't really give her a fortune. So it's like, oh, I can't quite see your path, but I'm giving you a protective charm to ease your anxieties. Please don't pay attention to the fact I did not give you a fortune. Okay, yeah, that's fair. Roll with mine for me. Oh, I rolled an eight. Okay, on a seven to nine, you get to pick two from you create an opportunity, you expose a weakness or flaw, you confuse them for some time, or you avoid further entanglement. I'm avoiding further entanglement, and I think I'm just creating an opportunity of like, this person is happy and satisfied with her reading. I'm clearly protecting her from something, and she goes away. Yeah, I think, like, she's still very much, like, she doesn't look convinced, but she's also, like, not entirely convinced that you're actually an oracle. Mm -hmm. So she just kind of seems disappointed as she stands up and starts to move on. It's a very good protective charm, I promise. As you promise her that, I want to move on to another character, Roman. What is your average Wednesday like? I'm assuming you're in your office, or would you be out doing something else? Roman is probably in his office. Um, Up to you if he has a meeting with a client or not. But, I mean, it's Wednesday afternoon. He's got work to do. What does the inside of his office look like? Roman's office is very pristine and Barton. It's, you know, he has all of the books he's supposed to have, which is really just a bunch of law books on, you know, a bookshelf. It's very clean. His monitor is very sleek, but nothing about it feels personal. There's nothing that makes you go, oh, this is a person. It could be literally anybody's office. As you are going about your business in your office, Roman, you hear three quick knocks on your door. Do you lock your door or would somebody be able to just walk their way in? I think he leaves it unlocked. 
Okay. Immediately after the three quick knocks, your door starts to open, and a short woman in a red suit starts walking through. She has, like, sort of medium-length blonde hair. She's very fair-skinned and has very uh, bright blue eyes. Can I put a name to a face? Go for it. What am I rolling with? Uh, You are going to be rolling with Wild. That is a 12. Okay, that is a good roll. On a 10 plus, you've dealt with them before, learned something interesting and useful about them, or they owe you a debt. We'll start with their reputation and what most people know about them. This is Scarlet LaRue. She is a very high-powered and driven lawyer in West Bay. The two of you have clashed on various legal matters in the past. She is very determined when she gets a client, will do anything and everything she can to make sure that they win their case. Sometimes it's not always legal what she does, (laughs) but they, uh, like, she is very high in demand and very popular Amongst the people that need her. So then I ask, do you want something interesting and useful about her? Or do you want her to owe you a debt? I think I would like something interesting and useful about her. Okay. So I think you've got, like, you know that she, that's what it is. She is representing people in... A lawsuit against the oil company in town that are like they're trying to put forward legal action about unsafe working environments and like all sorts of bad business practices. She has been hired to represent them in that case. No, I was trying to think of a bit more because I felt like that wasn't a lot. I mean, I. If it's not, like, if it's public knowledge that she's representing, then, like, maybe a bit more. But if it's not public knowledge that she's the one who's been hired, and, like, I have the drop on that, that's different. Yeah, I don't think it's public knowledge. It's pro. that's what it is. Okay. So it's not public knowledge. And, in fact, she, like, there hasn't been, like, it's not even public knowledge that this case is happening yet. Mm. It's being kept under wraps. I shouldn't know at all, but of course I do. Oh, well, good afternoon, Miss LaRoe. I uh, thought you got out of family law. She, like, she doesn't slam the door behind her, but she does shut it pretty hard. And she says, Roman, let's cut the crap. What are you doing interfering in my cases? I have no idea what you're talking about. I have it on good authority. That you've been down in the oil fields, poking your nose around in things, and I'd like to see it stop. And just sort of out of character, I will leave it up to you whether that's true or not, but this is what she believes. I mean, he has been down there, but not as Roman, for sure. I feel like the only time he goes out there is when he's in his demon form. Gotcha. Okay, she is still very adamant that somebody has told her you've been out there. Oh, that's fine. Um, 
Oh, you think I would go down there in this? You know, this is all I own. And he gestures towards, I mean, she's very colorful, whereas he's like black suit, dark charcoal gray shirt underneath. He's tall. He's like, he works out, but he's not buff. Um, Like he, he looks like a pretty boy in his early 40s. So he's all nice and salt and peppered and got that men get better with age bullshit going on. So, do I seem like the type who would take these brogues down to the oil fields? I've got it on good authority you've been down there, and let's just say, don't let me hear about it again. Or things are going to get very complicated for you. Oh, I'm so scared. But if you're representing the workers, wouldn't it be in poor taste for you to be threatening somebody? Somebody that's going around and tampering with evidence and my clients? No, that's called good business, Roman. Oh, so you're a police officer now. Sorry about the demotion. I think, like, she doesn't growl, because that's not a thing that people normally do. But she pulls a very sour look at you and just says, Just make sure that you stay out of my business. I don't want to have to shame your entire firm. I don't want to have to destroy you and bring complete and utter shame and ruin to everything you've built up here, Roman. So stay out of my way and be smart about it. And she's going to turn on her heels and, like, go to walk out. I think he's really just more amused by this than anything. She can walk out. That's fine. Whatever. Actually, no. You you always have my number, Miss LaRoe, if you want to talk about this rationally. I think she walks out and, like, this time the door gets shut, like, even harder than when she walked in. And then your phone rings almost immediately after she walks out. Check caller ID. Uh, what do you have your, uh demonic patron saved ass i don't think he uses the same number every time it's like a weird series of demonic symbols that come up like it starts as a normal number and then morph morphs love it well regardless you know that this is uh how do you pronounce that is it zag zagan zagan yeah yes i pick up master calls i answer uh hello mr president what can i do for you today that one is going to be a problem. Mm, I've gathered that. I suggest you do something about it before she makes things complicated for you. I didn't know you to be the type to make suggestions. If you would like that message delivered, I would be more than happy to do so, though. Deliver the message. The means to neutralizing this problem are yours to determine. But I will not have somebody stand in my way. Of course, sir. I will see to it. And I think he just, like, the phone hangs up at that point. All right. Got my first job from my patron. And at that, I think we pivot to our next character. Santiago, what's a normal Wednesday afternoon look like for you? I think that Santiago is overseeing uh, his lifestyle storefront on this wondrous Wednesday afternoon. Describe your store to me. Tell me what it looks like. What's like, give us a brief description. 
Oh, yes, of course. Well, Apogee, the lifestyle brand, has a storefront uh, in West Bay that has blush curtains, oak flooring, ample seating everywhere. It's painted with Pharaoh and Ball's Lake Red number W92. Uh, It has white shelves lined with candles and expensive clothing. And there is a it's not so much as a front uh, register as it is people walking about with iPads in order to take people's money. So where in the store do we find Santiago? Oh, I think I think Santiago is milling about uh, convincing customers to purchase one more item or so. Uh, He's very acrobatic as he uh, bobs and weaves, but never never draws a sweat. And, you know, uh, he always is wearing nice flowing cloaks. This one is uh, a very similar red to the store, and it is flowing and flying as he uh, goes over. And he, I think he goes over to one customer and goes, oh, that's the, this smells like my blood candle. Oh, and a red diamond brass incense burner. Ooh, someone's treating themselves. As you butter up this customer towards making a sale, you turn around at one point and see something that you probably are not used to seeing, especially inside of your store. There is a black and orange cat sitting at the front door on the inside of it, sitting up very straight and staring directly at you. Ah, I'm going to put a face of the name to Baxter. Listen, I might know of Baxter, but let's 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 roll it just 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 to see. Okay, roll with wild for me. Ooh, that is a 10. Okay, Uh, on a 10 plus, you've dealt with them before, Lind. Okay, so what you know about Baxter is the stuff we went over in our uh, street magic games. Baxter shows up when people need to go to places, tends to take you to like special locations or where you need to go. Nobody really knows like exactly where he came from or like where he goes. He is very much an enigma. On a 10 plus, you've dealt with them before, learned something interesting and useful about them, or they owe you a debt. So do you want something useful and interesting or do you want this cat to owe you a debt? Oh, I mean, I would love for Baxter to owe me a debt. <laughs> okay, then you need to tell me what you did for Baxter that makes him feel like he owes you a debt. I think that Baxter uh, consistently uh, comes to me for supernatural solicitations, uh, items, and and things just leads me where someone needs something and basically calls upon and it it is a a somewhat of a two-way street but as we all know i don't do anything for free so you know you know baxter owes me for my time (laughs) i'm a very busy person i think that's valid as you and Baxter lock eyes, you hear, like, he lets out a soft but very determined meow. 
Ah, uh, yes, Baxter. Very good to see you again. Uh, now is not the best time. If you see, we've got customers. And so I am not really... again. Yes, Baxter, I understand. I get it. But as you can see, you know what? If you like, you can come in the back. Now, I don't usually allow people in there. But if you'd like to talk, we could we could go there. He meows and then just turns and walks out the front door. Good. Yes. Uh, yep. Uh, uh, Janice, uh, can could you take over for a bit? Yeah. Thank you. You've got this. Uh, team efforts. Uh, I don't know if I need my sword. <laughs> Whatever. And I will walk out and follow Baxter. Okay. So. Baxter has, like, he's not sitting directly in front of the store. He's walked maybe, like, half a block down. But he is definitely waiting for you and turns and, like, looks over his shoulder to make sure you're following. So is this the middle of the day? It is. And I need to ask you, what sort of vampire rules are we rolling with here? How does the sun affect Santiago? Or does it? Oh, Santiago is definitely affected by the sun. Uh, direct sunlight will cause Santiago to burn up. Uh, but just basic coverings uh, protect vampires in this world. So it's not like super strongly effective. Uh, so I think you see Santiago uh, putting on red gloves. He already has a cloak, so he's covering most of his body, but he's also going to grab uh, a red, some red sunglasses, uh, as well as a parasol. And, you know, he might look odd walking down the street, but he is an eccentric rich person, so... Yeah, I think he looks odd, but he doesn't look, like, odd-odd. If that makes sense. Yes. There'll, there'll be looks, but... <laughs> but not enough that people want to stop him. Yes. So yeah, Baxter leads you away, and you're following after him, presumably. He takes you through a lot of, like, winding side streets, and there are a lot of turns on his path, to the point that it is getting pretty difficult to figure out where in the city you actually are. God, Baxter, if you're taking me to that, I can't say that word, forsaken place, you will never hear the end of it from me. Uh, are you saying that to Baxter, or are you just sort of, like, mumbling to yourself? Oh, definitely to myself. Okay. I think it's after several minutes of walking to the point that you're probably getting a little bit concerned of if Baxter's actually leading you anyway, that you see a street sign in front of you in a back alley. And the street sign says Beach Street. Gee, damn it, Baxter. Baxter just simply walks down the alleyway and... Like, he doesn't even turn to look to see if you're following. You're just going to go, Baxter? Baxter, I am. I refuse to enter this strange location. <laughs> what are you doing? Are you going to go in or are you going to turn around and leave somewhere else? I'm not a coward. <laughs> no, I'm I'm a coward. <sighs> I, I guess I'll just enter. I mean, he's going to be wary, but 
yeah, he's not a coward, really. I think as Santiago is debating back and forth on this, you feel a hand on your shoulder from behind, and this hand forcefully guides you onto Beach Street. And then I want to cut over to our last character. Uh, Morgan, where would you be when you get a text from your dear co-worker, Aaron? I think they'd be in their apartment, listening to music at a volume that almost certainly is bothering their neighbors, cleaning and maintaining weapons, just enjoying that they have an apartment to themselves and can... Uh, and have their own space it uh it sucks having it still kind of sucks being all the way out here not being home but like they finally have their own apartment and can do whatever the hell they want with it as you are going about your day is morgan a phone on ringer or phone on vibrate type of person uh it's it's on ringer just to like without having to look know who it is that's calling morgan has a, a bunch of custom ringtones for you know whoever's actually on the contacts list okay it's not a phone call but you do get notified that you have gotten a text message and do you have like individual text notification sounds too probably all right you know that this particular notification is from a one of your fellow hunters by the name of aaron ah if it's him then it's like a Really, really like stock wolf howl, since he uh, specializes in hunting down werewolves. But yeah, and then Morgan will, you know, look over and pick up the phone. What's, uh, what's Aaron got to say? The text is just a single emoji. It is an ice cream emoji, which you know means that Aaron has a scoop. That is his way of letting you know that he's heard something interesting without leaving an obvious trail. And anytime he's texted you that, it's basically asking for you to pick a place to meet up because he's got something he wants to talk to you about. Ah, then Morgan will text him back a three, which means uh, like the third place on their list of meeting places, which would be the uh the witching hour okay you get a thumbs up emoji i think you get thumbs up and then a clock and then a question mark which is asking how long it'll take you to get there like a half hour probably what's a what's a good let's not actually use words for this emoji oh yeah uh yeah so it's like a a half moon to to indicate that it'll take about a half hour Okay, you get that thumbs up emoji again. And then is there anything that you want to do like on screen or anything you want to highlight between now and meeting up with Aaron? As part of like packing up their uh, like the camera pan would pan over the, the weapons that they've been working on. So there's a there's a hatchet etched with a bunch of different religious symbols, a pistol with a outside silencer, a shotgun as they're sort of getting everything ready. And then uh, a, a set of like a very, very generic looking like hoodie and jeans and some running shoes that are hung up almost like they're a work uniform that they uh, that Morgan walks over to to put on once they've got all their stuff packed away before they head out. 
Okay, so I have to ask, what is Morgan taking with them as they leave? Uh, the pistol and the hatchet are easy to like easier to conceal on their person, so those are, are going with just on them. The the hoodie's kind of baggy to help hide them. And then the uh the shotgun goes in a bag under a bunch of uh, like a like a duffel bag under a bunch of other stuff, but that's probably gonna stay in the car unless it becomes apparent that it's needed. Aaron didn't say anything about you know, the the text didn't indicate a need for like everything, but rather have it around and not need it. All right. I will leave it up to you. No, actually, as Morgan pulls up to the witching hour, they see Aaron sitting on the patio already with a table and a drink in front of him. Ah, uh, they'll park and get out and over. So take a seat at the at the table. You uh, you ordered already or uh, just got some fries coming. Uh, haven't ordered any actual food yet. Waitress said they're short-staffed today, so they're kind of running behind. Ah, uh, okay, okay. So, what's going on? Well, I heard through the uh, proverbial grapevine that something interesting may be happening if you catch my drift. I'm thinking I do. Or is it that interesting? Or... Well, depends on a lot of variables that I don't have the answers for, but, well, it seems we're not the only hunters in town from what I've been able to gather. Huh. Okay. That could get interesting. Do, I mean, we got any idea, like, what their interest is? Hard to say. Uh, from what I heard, there was, uh... And you see him, like, take a look around himself before he continues and says, There was a wolf shot dead and a human, too, but I don't know. I'm thinking maybe the wolf got to them. What makes you say that? Oh, I don't see a reason why one of us would go killing one of our own, would we? Fair. Uh, Not everybody's as uh not everybody's always great about that as we ought to be but you want we should go look into it i mean like is this how how public is this shooting that you heard about it well it happened last night from what i hear down at the corner store down there on corner of cedar and shetland i'm willing to go check it out if you are but i want to get those fries to go all right we can hang up for that um yeah, no, we, we can go check it out, see if they've, I don't know, maybe they caught it on, like, CCTV or something, if the cops haven't already pulled it. As the two of you are making these plans, we get a shot of the street signs for Cedar and Shetland. And, well, would we see Tuesday, or is Tuesday still going invisible? Yeah, Tuesday, I think, is still invisible as uh, they're approaching this uh, corner store. So as Tuesday approaches, the corner store is... There's, like, a couple of police cars in the parking lot. There's the uh, caution tape over the front door. This place is pretty well locked down from what you can tell. 
or at least would be if you weren't able to walk through walls. Yeah, that that's pretty nifty and convenient, I'd say. Um, uh, Tuesday just kind of like, oh wow, uh, Adrian wasn't lying, and and he kind of goes to make his way to phase through the like uh, face of the store. So as you were making your way up to the front, there's like two police officers that are talking to each other by the front door. So let's see if you aren't corporeal right now. That means that you can be heard, correct? Uh, let me take another look real quick. When I'm not, like, when I manifest, I choose two from, you can be seen, you can be heard, and you can touch and be touched by the physical world. So when I'm not manifested, I am not any of those things, is what I take away from that, unless I'm not correct. Let me look into it real quick, because I honestly haven't GM'd for a specter before. Regular people can't sense or interact with you unless you manifest. You manifest by spending a few quiet moments concentrating and choose to. Okay, so yeah, it seems like you, if you are demanifested, then yeah. Okay. Yeah, I just wanted to, before I go in, if I notice that these two cops are talking outside the store i just kind of listen in on the conversation real quick just to see what they were saying before i head in i do want you to roll to keep your cool because absolutely i have secrets that are going on um just a note because i went ahead and opened my copy of urban shadows it does say that um the move is specifically around who regular people are um, that, like, it's regular people can't sense or interact with you unless you manifest, and the MC gets to decide who regular people are for the purpose of the move. You should assume most supernatural creatures know you're around. Okay, then yeah. Uh, definitely roll to keep your cool because reasons. Because reasons. Uh, alrighty. Thanks, Landon. Yeah, thank you. Got you. I've not MC'd for a Spectre either, so I was interested. <laughs> I was like, that uh, feels really strong. <laughs> no, okay. It's good to see that it's not as strong as it was, because I felt a little bad. Um, But I got a 10. Okay, on a 10 plus, all's well. You notice that one of these caught, like, as you're approaching them, they stiffen up a little bit. Like, you see their shoulders get a little bit more tense as they're talking to the other one. And the one that tenses up says... Yeah, we went ahead and pulled all the footage from last night, but I don't know, something something must have wiped it, or I don't know. They took the body down to the morgue down on 7th, and we're having people in to look at it here later on tonight, but all these disappearances and stuff going on here lately, it's a little bit backed up. Okay, so I guess Tuesday makes kind of a mental note of the location of the morgue and the fact that the tapes were wiped, uh, and they're going to go ahead and move inside the store. As you move inside, what is it that you're doing? Like, are you looking for anything in particular, doing anything? Uh, my The reason that I'm in here is just to see if Gage is dead, like, I assu- like was the wolf that was shot, like I 
assume he might be is like is it is it just like it's because they said the body was moved on to the morgon seventh was that was that only one or was that both of them he said body singular interesting yeah okay so then yeah they're looking for any trace of gauge in this store okay i'm gonna ask you to roll to let it out for me because it seems like you're trying to extend your senses that sounds correct to me. Uh, that is a 10 yet again. Wow, good rolls tonight. Uh, let's see. On a hit, choose one and mark corruption. On a 10 plus, ignore the corruption or choose another from the list. So I'm assuming extend your senses. Yes. Did you want to ignore the corruption or do you want to choose a second option? Let me let me take a look at my options here. Um, I think... I think I'm going to choose another from the list. Uh, I'm going to take definite hold of something vulnerable exposed. Tell me if this doesn't work, but I'm going to see like if something was maybe like left behind or something like that by the person who potentially murdered Gage that I find or like something that indicates like, like maybe gives me an idea of like who this person was. That definitely works. I'm trying to think of what they may have left behind. Okie dokie. And feel free to, like, change it to, like, I don't know, something. But that that's what I'm doing, so I'll go ahead and mark corruption. So, I think you find, like, as you're looking around, you find hair or fur on the floor on one side of the counter near mm-hmm. some blood stains. On the other side, you find <sighs> some more blood stains, and you find a very distinct bullet casing interesting okay i think i am going to take a second and i am going to manifest uh and i'm going to choose uh you can be heard and you can touch and be touched by the physical world so i'm still invisible but the other things are there and i'm going to uh pocket the bullet casing okay As you do, you hear the bell ring as the police officers start to walk inside the store. And I want to cut over to Joey again. Joey, what are you getting into after you had this vision about the apparent death of Miss Margaret? I'm going to make a wild assumption here and guess Miss Margaret doesn't have a cell phone. Uh, I feel like she's probably got one, but she's like... The last person in the world that still has, like, a phone you have to buy minutes for? Yeah, I figured something like that. She has a bad habit of not remembering to top her phone off. Yeah, Joey's gonna physically head over to wherever Margie hangs, so she's gonna pack up her blanket. She's gonna throw it into the back of the world's saddest car. And start heading that way. (laughs) Miss Margaret actually doesn't live that far away. The uh, Bunny Bazaar is in the burrows, as is her house. So it doesn't take you but a couple of minutes to get there. You do see her car parked in the driveway. And from what you can tell on the outside of her house, nothing seems to be wrong. Okay, uh... Joey's gonna go up, knock on her door, so on. It is probably what feels like several minutes, but is actually only like maybe a minute or two. And then the door opens. 
And there is a little older gray-haired lady. She's wearing, like, like she, judging by what she's wearing, she looks like she's just recently come in from the garden. And she looks up at you because she is quite short and says, Oh, hello there, dear. How, uh, how are you doing today? Eh, I'm doing okay. I just, I just had a weird vision about you and I, I, I just felt I need to check in, see how you are. Another of your visions, uh... I thought we agreed those aren't always the most reliable. I know, which is why I checked in on you calmly instead of, you know, breaking down your door and scaring the heck out of you. Yes, you'd likely make sure that I wasn't okay if that happened. Do you want to come in? I just put some tea on. Oh, I would love some tea. Thank you so much. And she, like, just steps aside so you can walk into her house. I have a feeling, considering she's very old and slow, even though she just put tea on, Joey's the one who actually ends up prepping the tea. I think if Joey, like, goes to prep the tea, she's not gonna stop you. Yeah, Joey's gonna go to prep the tea. Let her sit. She sits, she's probably got, like, a recliner in her living room or something. And she just kind of calls out to you and says, So, how have things been going for you lately? It's been a couple of days since I've seen you. Oh, same old, same old. Uh, set in the bazaar as usual. Normally, I... Just having a little fog right now. Lately, I can norm... I, my visions haven't been focused the way I want them to be. Maybe I should use the cup more. Speaking of your visions, uh, do you want to talk about what it is that you saw? No, just, I don't want to make you worry or make you change your habits. Just, I became worried about you and wanted to follow up. As discussed, they don't always come true, and I don't want to unnecessarily freak you out. Oh dear, you know I'm far too old to go changing my habits now. True. So, yet again, they're never exactly what they seem. So I'm going to go with appearances. It appeared as if your eyes were glazed over, like you were dead. You might not have been. You might have been in a trance or something else, but it concerned me. Well, that's understandable, but well, it's not exactly a stretch of the imagination to think of someone at my age passing away and as she says that there is a voice from down the hallway in her house that says grandma i wish you wouldn't talk like that it's depressing who's here hi it's joey also you know well death is very 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 common i mean it's very common but i'm still will mourn your passing and would like to prevent it and keep it from far off in the future as possible. Just because it's inevitable doesn't mean I want it. I still don't want to think about my grandma passing away. And as the voice gets closer, you see the purple-haired girl from earlier in the day. Oh. And I want to cut over. Let's find out what's going on with Roman. Roman, what you doing... After your uh, lovely little meeting with Miss LaRue earlier today. Well, 
I'm interested in finding out who her source is. Not quite sure how to start going about that. If you've got sources of your own, you could try hitting the streets and seeing yeah, if they know that's anything. I was thinking. Oh, yeah. Can I go try the guy in the library, Ronald Bell? I know him. Sure. Even though he doesn't like supernatural people, I'll just go show up at the college campus library. Why not? Does he know you're supernatural? That is a good question. I don't know. I've been in the city 10 years at this point. If he's in the know, then he probably knows. Fair. Go ahead and roll to hit the streets with mortality for me. Ah, there we go. Gave you a miss. That is a six. Okay. Uh, Go ahead and tell me what, like, are you just walking into the library and straight up to where you expect to find him? Or, like, what are you doing something else? What's this look we, like? We would get, like, a couple of frames of, like, him locking up his office and smoking a cigarette as he walks to his car and then, like, driving to the library. And, like, yes, that is his plan, is to just go where he should be. Feel free to intercept that at any point. <laughs> Funny you should mention that. As you were driving, you notice... There's a silver car behind you, and every turn you make, they make the exact same turn. Great. And you start to get the feeling that you're being followed. What you want to do? I, no, I mean, he's probably going to find somewhere like a decent restaurant or bar or something um, called the Fir Grove, F-I-R, like the tree. Yeah, it's a fancy bistro. Okay. Um, but when he parks, he's going to, you know, stand outside of his car and finish his cigarette. You see the silver car pull in and park at, like, the other side of the parking lot. Like, if you're near the door, they're on, like, the far end. But nobody gets out of the car. He is going to approach the car. Okay. Uh, which side are you walking up on? And what's your, like, general demeanor as you do it? Um... He just, like, flicks his cigarette into the bushes. The filter, like, turned oily as he was smoking it. And he just strolls up to the passenger side window and is going to rap on it, provided nobody stops him. The window rolls down, and you see a bald man with a hooked nose. He looks over at you and says, can I help you? Well, actually, I was wondering if I could help you. I couldn't help but notice that your uh, vehicles seem to have been following me here, so... What, am I not allowed to come to a restaurant? Enjoy a nice early dinner for myself? Oh, of course you are. I'm sorry. Would you like to, um... I'm so sorry to have offended you. Why don't you let me buy you that early dinner? Roll to persuade an NPC for me. There's an eight. You see as he climbs out of the car and says, Yeah, I think, uh, think that sounds pretty good. Were you going to be meeting somebody here? Oh, no. I am just decided to pack up shop early for the day. I'm a lawyer, you know. We work whatever hours we want. Let's see, I'm trying to think of how he would modify the terms or demand a debt here. Because, like, it doesn't make sense for him to demand a debt for you to buy him dinner. 
I think he says, why don't you tell me a little bit more about you? And he is, I'm not sure if this really counts, but whatever, I'm the GM. Uh, He's modifying the terms that, like, he expects you to be giving him some information over this dinner. Like, you get the point, you get the feeling that, like, he expects you to do the vast majority of the talking. Sure, we, we, we can try that. I mean, I'm sure Roman talks a lot. Roman's fine. Roman can talk endlessly if he really needs to. He's a fucking lawyer. So as you and this bald-headed man walk into this bistro, I want to go next to Morgan. Morgan, what's going on as you and Aaron get his fries to go? And also, did you pick up any food? Uh, yeah, they'd have, it's definitely a sandwich of some sort. Probably like a steak and egg sandwich, something they can take with them. I think we cut to, uh, the two of you in Aaron's car driving towards this corner store. Are you all talking about anything? What's the, uh, scene like? So yeah, so they're driving there, and Morgan is, or I guess, they'd uh, ask Aaron, so are we trying to figure out, uh, I mean, so so what's the plan uh, if this who out-of-towner or whatever is, uh, like, shooting people up? Are we hunting them down or reading them the riot act? How do you, how do you want to handle it? Werewolf stuff is more your territory than mine. Yeah, I don't know. I just know we were brought in to do a job, and I don't like having people do my job for me. Especially not without me knowing who it is. Fair enough, fair enough. Okay. Mm, so, assuming the cops are still there, um, I'll try talking to them. You see what you can pick up in the meantime? Like, if you can find a way in or around or see if anything's off? Sounds good. You always were the more uh, persuasive one of us. <laughs> well, hopefully I don't have to get, like, really persuasive. That would be awkward. Hey, whatever you want to do, I'm not going to judge. All right, then. Um, we, we have a plan. I think as you're saying that, the two of you pull into this corner store parking lot, just as you see two police officers stepping inside of it. Tuesday, what are you doing as these two police officers come into this store and you are behind the counter having just taken a piece of evidence? Good question. I think he notices them come in and he realizes, oh shit, like I have to be quiet now. And he is, he thinks that he has a pretty good idea of what was happening uh in this situation uh and he's like well did did he did he see any bodies in here there are no bodies visible to you okay gotcha yeah i think then he is going to be like well i think this is i think i've gotten everything that i think i can from this area so i think he's going to just try and nonchalantly kind of phase back out of the store. So is that, I'm assuming that's a roll, like escape a situation? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to need you to uh, escape a situation for me. Alrighty. That sounds good to me. 
Because as you see these two officers coming in, the one that had his shoulders tense up earlier, Mm -hmm. he's definitely looking around more than you'd expect an average person to. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Okay. Uh, oh, okay, that's an 11. Okay, on a 10 plus, you choose one from the list. Uh, suffer harm during your escape. End up in another dangerous situation. Leave something important behind. Owe someone a debt for your escape or give in to your base nature and mark corruption. I'm gonna, maybe I'm gonna, I think I might suffer harm during my escape. Like, I'm not yet maybe used to being manifested and being able to like actually physically touch things around me so maybe like i accidentally like scrape myself or i stub my toe or something like something uh to cause me just a little bit of harm as i'm kind of stumbling back trying to phase back out through the store if that works so i think it's gotta be something more than that but it does work yeah so then i i and you can you can decide how much it is then I suppose like I I don't uh, that, that's I'll leave that up to your best judgment I don't mind taking harm. I was gonna ask what did you do with the uh, bullet case that you picked up? I probably just put it in my pocket. You feel as you move out through this front wall that bullet case in your pocket feels like it's burning. Like if you've ever. Ouch. If you've ever left your phone on in your pocket and, like, had it heat up on your leg and you feel that, like, burning sensation, that's what you're feeling coming from your pocket. Okay. And I need you to mark a level one harm. Uh, Gotcha. Bullet burn. Okie dokie. That harm has been marked. All right. You walk out through the front of this store and see a car pull into the parking lot. Tuesday, do you know Morgan? Uh, yeah, actually, I think we established that I did. That I'm at least friendly with him because, uh, they're looking out for, like, my sister. That's right. So, yeah, yeah. you see this car pull into the parking lot and Morgan is inside of it with a person that you may or may not recognize. Uh, Morgan, what does Aaron look like? I don't think we established that. Uh, hmm. We did not. I think he's um, like, especially because werewolf hunters often end up in like woods and like wilderness a lot. He's, he's got, uh, he's like a, not like he's a big dude, but not uh, like that kind of big. You see people at like weightlifting competitions and stuff. And he's got like like a real kind of like outdoorsy lumberjacky vibe to him. Um, always, always looks like he's going hiking somewhere. OK, uh, so, yeah, Tuesday, you see Morgan pull up in the car with this person driving that you may or may not recognize. I don't know if you've ever met Aaron before. Uh, I don't know, but I could figure out if I had. Can I put a face to that name? Go for it. Roll with mortality for me. Sounds good to me. Uh, that is a seven. Okay. On a hit, you know their reputation. Jim tells you what most people know about them. You know that this is Aaron. 
He hasn't been in the city for too terribly long. He is a hunter who was hired by Orson Glass as part of the hunting team to keep his uh, project safe. He specializes in particular in hunting wolves. Interesting. As of right now, Tuesday just kind of going to think to himself, oh, this could get interesting. And they're just kind of going to watch a little bit. For a little bit, just to see how this plays out um, with these hunters and the police. As you are watching, I want to cut back to Santiago as you are escorted into the maw by an unseen hand on your shoulders. How are you reacting? Uh, so Santiago immediately freaks out and you 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 see him flail and he is brandishing his parasol and he goes you best unhand me right now i'm a i'm a, a fucking monster and i'll fucking tear you apart and yeah he's going to like attempt to just wriggle out of this and flail and it's, it's not very elegant You hear a chuckle in your ear and a male voice say, Oh, Santiago, it's been so long and this is how you greet me? I expected more of you. You're fucking lucky I don't have my fucking sword on me because I would run you through. Oh, the mouth on you. I can't believe. And as you presumably turn around to face this person who has escorted you into the maw, you see the face of Domingo. The man who turned you. Your father. Be gay. Roll dice. An LGBTQIA actual play podcast network. If you liked what you heard, the easiest way to let us know is on Twitter at TTRPGRoulette or on the Discord that we have linked in our pinned tweet. We also have a Patreon at patreon.com slash TTRPGRoulette where you can get things like bonus character creation episodes, blooper reels, an exclusive art gallery, and so much more. Links to all of that are also in our show notes. Another way to show us some love is by giving us a review on your podcatcher of choice. If you leave a good review with something you want to hear me say on air, I'll do it, as long as it's not offensive. And, of course, don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. Our music was created by Neil Martin, who you can find on Twitter, at Bardic Martin. Our logo was created by Lee, who you can find on Twitter, at The Law of Names, or on his masks AP, Otherware. This show is brought to you thanks to the support of our patrons, such as Landon Cornell, MC of Shadows of St. Fleur, Lauren Peterson, GM of Nerds on a Roll, Silva, Vanessa Haas, Zeke, and Tricky. Until next week, stay lucky. Well, hello there, young adventurer. I've been waiting for you. We've met before, don't you remember? Ah, no worries. I'm quite forgetful myself. The other sparks are waiting for you. Leviath, Shuey, Theo, and Brandy. They've had such wonderful tales to tell. A truly marvelous story. I wonder which one of them will be the chosen one. 
Perhaps none of them will. Perhaps it will be you. The morning's coming soon. I have to leave now. Will I see you again? I sure hope so. Is a story really a story if there's no one to tell it to? Well, goodbye for now, adventurer. Chosen Ones is a visual novel-style D&D podcast on YouTube that releases every Thursday at 1 p.m. CST. Find us on Twitter at Chosen Ones D&D. Come adventure with us.